Callista. Yes, that was our name. Hello, and welcome to another episode of League Lore and More. We continue our Shadow Isles series today. Uh, we just kind of wrapped up the Thresh, Senna, Lucian, Triangle storyline. Now getting back into more of the uh, kind of servants of the the Shadow Isles um, of Viego and uh, the Harrowing uh, with Callista, the Spear of Vengeance, who was released as the uh, 100, I believe, 22nd champion in League of Legends uh, back on November 20th, 2014. So only a few months after I started playing, she is a marksman in the bottom lane. You will almost never see her in any other role on the map. Um, she is a turquoise spectral being who th throws spears into her enemies and kind of hops around while, while doing it. Um, and uh, that, that, that was kind of uh, this, the spear aspect is what makes her unique. And we'll get into that um, as we kind of go through her abilities quickly here. Um, so uh, her in, innately, like w without it being even a passive on an in ability, um, Callista hurls a spear at her target, dealing ninety percent physical damage. So. It does reduced damage than what normal people's attacks would do, like their basic attacks. Um, and um, the thing here is that sh you cannot cancel um, the uh, auto attack unless you use one of your four abilities that we'll get to uh, called Rend. Um, so that kind of is um, something that gives her kind of a wonky feeling until you play her enough. Um, her passive is called Martial Poise. Um, so whenever she, whenever you play her and you input a movement command during a basic attack, um, so like if I right click to attack something and then during her like wind up to throw the spear, which you can't cancel, right? Um, if I click to, like, if I right-click somewhere else for her to move to that spot, um, she'll, like, hop in that direction as she throws the spear. So it's a way to be hyper-mobile where, you're, like, when you get more attack speed, you can hop, like, several times right in a, right in a row um, because you're attacking so quick. So it's a great way to, like... Uh, kind of stick to your enemies um, and not let them get away uh, but it's also useful in escaping them as well uh, her Q is called Pierce uh, Callista launches a spear in the target direction that uh, deals damage um, if it kills the target the spear goes from that target to um, the target behind it um, and if it if there are stacks of rend in 
the champion that gets killed by the Q, um, all of those stacks will progress to the ne next enemy that it hits. Um, her W is called Sentinel. Um, so you will click in a target direction or you'll have your mouse in a target direction and you'll press W and a ghoul um, will, well, it's, it's called a sentinel, but you would think of it as like a ghoulish ghost is sent out and it will like um, move along a path back and forth, like a defined distance. It'll go to one end, come back to the other and it just grants sight of that area. Um, so you wouldn't need a ward in that area. Um, and you could have a stock of um, two of them at a time. But also on her W is a passive ability called Soul Marked, which is Callista and her Oathsworn are tethered together. There's this imaginary, like you can see it when like you're close to your Oathsworn which I'll get into that in a moment. Um, but it's this line, like, you can move away from each other, like, but when you're close to each other, you'll become tethered. Um, and your attacks against the same champions will do um, increased damage. Um, and so what Oathsworn is, is that Callista has a unique item only to her in the game. Um, and it's a... Uh, um, uh, a blade um, blanking on the uh, the name of it um, oh it's called the uh, black spear so when you start the game you start with a black spear or they might have changed it to where you can buy it now for free um, because some people didn't want to tether themselves to their support and they wanted to do it, it later in the game to somebody else on their team when the game wasn't as lane focused anymore when you're getting to team fights and stuff. Um, and so you have this item and then you select the person that you want to be your oath sworn. And then like, there will be this animation that plays They kind of like their character will like die. Um, they won't have a death counted to them or anything like they'll it, It'll do the death animation of that character and then they'll like come back and that is just like, the process of you applying that to them and then you get the benefits that I already described her E is called rend um, so when you basic attack um, and throw a Q at someone it applies a stack of rend to enemies for 4 seconds um, refreshing on subsequent hits and stacking up to 254 times so what these stacks are, are spears that you can see sticking into the enemies that you're attacking. So you could put 254 into someone uh, if they didn't die before that. Um, and then um, that that's the passive. And then so when you press E for rend, um, Callista will rip all of the spears out of any enemies nearby that have spears in them. And so it consumes all of the stacks of the spears and does physical damage. Um, and so, you know, the more spears you, you have in someone, when you rend, it's going to do a lot, a lot more damage. Um, if rend kills a target, the cooldown gets reset. 
Um, so you can kind of chain a lot of damage if you have a lot of spears and a lot of attack speed. Uh, her ultimate is called Fate's Call. And uh, Callista invokes her tether with her oath-sworn character. So, and it pulls them from wherever they are to Callista. And like they, their model will disappear from the game. Um, it like basically pulls them into her for four seconds. And um, so they can't be attacked. They're invulnerable. Um, it cleanses any anything that they had on them. And then um, the person who is uh, Oathsworn, who got called, who got pulled back to Callista, um, they can end the four seconds early um, by um, like clicking off, like movement clicking um, uh, off to one side somewhere. Um, and then like Callista will like toss them out again. Um, so it's a way to like help your teammate escape uh, a dangerous situation or you can pull them in and they can go forward and engage on the enemy and knock them all up because when the the person once they're called in when they choose to move out they will um, fly out and land at the spot that they chose and then if there are enemies there they'll get knocked up into the air um so Callista has the black spear which is a unique champion item uh, meaning no other champion can use it um there are only two others which were um Prototype Hexcore, which is Victor's, um, who we have discussed, and then Bone Tooth Necklace, which is Rengar's. Um, her dance is um, referencing uh, Oberyn Martell's dance in Game of Thrones when he uh, is dancing with his spear prior to um, fighting the mountain in uh, season four, I believe. Um, Callista's uh, Champion Spotlight was the first one to feature the updated Summoner's Rift, which came out in 2014 or 15. Um, and yeah, so that is the rundown on Callista, and now um, we will, as always, hop into their biography and their story, and um, like always, I hope you learn something. Um, she's not a character I have ever been good at. Um, uh, definitely never got, got past kind of the wonkiness of her uh, auto attacks and the hopping and stuff and, and just died a lot. But um, yeah, so I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoy it. And um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Callista, the Spear of Vengeance. In life, 
Callista was a proud general, niece to the king of an empire that none now recall. She lived by a strict code of honor, serving the throne with utmost loyalty. The king had many enemies, and when they sent an assassin to slay him, it was Callista's vigilance that averted disaster. But in saving the king, she damned the one he loved most. The assassin's deflected blade was envenomed and sliced the arm of the queen. The greatest priests and surgeons were summoned, but none could draw the poison from her body. Racked with grief, the king dispatched Callista in search of a cure, with Hecarim of the Iron Order taking her place at his side. Callista traveled far, consulting learned scholars, hermits, and mystics, but to no avail. Finally, she learned of a place protected from the outside world by shimmering pale mists whose inhabitants were rumored to know the secrets of eternal life. She sat sail on one last voyage of hope to the almost legendary Blessed Isles. The guardians of the capital city, Helia, saw the purity of Callista's intent and parted the mists to allow her safe passage. She begged them to heal the queen, and after much consideration, the masters of the city agreed. Time was of the essence. While the queen yet breathed, there was hope for her in the fabled waters of life. Callista was given a talisman that would allow her to return to Helia unaided, but was warned against sharing this knowledge with any other. However, by the time Callista reached the shores of her homeland, the queen was already dead. The king had descended into madness, locking himself in his tower with the queen's festering corpse. When he learned of Callista's return, he demanded to know what she had found. With a heavy heart, for she had never before failed him, she admitted that the cure she had found would be of no use. The king would not believe this, and condemned Callista as a traitor to the crown. It was Hakarim who per persuaded her to lead them to the Blessed Isles, where her uncle could hear the truth of it from the masters themselves. Then, perhaps, he would find peace, even if only in accepting that the queen was gone and allowing her to be laid to rest. Hesitantly, Callista agreed. And so the king set out with a flotilla of his fastest ships and cried out in joy as the glittering city of Helia was revealed to him. However, they were met by the stern masters who would not allow them to pass. Death, they insisted, was final. To cheat it would be to break the natural order of the world. The king flew into a fevered rage and commanded Callista to slay any who opposed them. She refused and called on Hecram to stand with her but instead he drove his spear through her armored back. The Iron Order joined him in this treachery, piercing Callista's body a dozen times more as she fell. A brutal melee erupted with those devoted to Callista fighting desperately against Hecarim's knights, but their numbers were too few. As Callista's life faded and she watched her warriors die, swearing vengeance with her final breath. When next Callista opened her eyes, they were filled with the dark power of unnatural magic. She had no idea what had transpired, but the city of Helia had been transformed into a twisted mockery of its former beauty. Indeed, the entirety of the Blessed Isles was now a place of shadow and darkness, filled with howling spirits trapped for all eternity in the nightmare of undeath. Though she tried to cling to those fragmented memories of Akarm's monstrous betrayal, they have slowly faded in all the centuries since and all that now remains is a thirst for revenge burning in Callista's ruined chest. She has now become a specter, a figure of macabre folklore often invoked by those who have suffered similar treacheries. These wretched spirits are sub subsumed into hers to pay the ultimate price, becoming one with the spear of vengeance.
Once he was a noble king, until grief overcame his reason. Callista's story is titled Invocation. The sword wife stood amid the burnt-out ruin of her home. Everything and everyone that mattered to her was gone, and she was filled with fathomless grief and hate. Hate was now all that compelled her. She saw again the smile of his face as he gave the order. He was meant to be their protector, but he'd spat upon his vows. Hers was not the only family shattered by the oath-breaker. The desire to go after him was strong. She wanted nothing more than to plant her sword in his chest and watch the life drain from his eyes, but she knew she would never be able to get close enough to him. She was guarded day and night, and she was but one warrior. She would never be able to fight her way through his battalion alone. Such a death would serve no purpose. She took a shuddering breath, knowing there was no coming back. A crude effigy of a man, formed of sticks and twine, lay upon a fire-blackened dresser. Its body was wrapped in a scrap of cloth torn from the cloak of the betrayer. She'd pried it from her husband's dead grasp. Alongside it was a hammer and three rusted nails. She gathered everything up and moved to the threshold. The door itself was gone, smashed to splinters in the attack. Beyond, lit by moonlight, lay the empty, darkened fields. Reaching up, the sword wife pressed the stick effigy into the hardwood lintel. I invoke thee, lady of vengeance, she said, her voice low, trembling with the depth of her fury. From beyond the veil, hear my plea. Come forth, let justice be done. She readied her hammer and the first of the nails. I name my betrayer once, she said, and spoke his name aloud. As she did so, she placed the tip of the first nail to the chest of the stick figure. With a single strike, she hammered it in deep, pinning it to the hardwood door frame. The sword wife shivered. The room had become markedly colder. Or had she imagined it? I name him twice, she said, and she did so, hammering the second nail alongside the first. Her gaze dropped, and she jolted in shock. A dark figure stood out in the moonlit field a hundred yards in the distance. It was utterly motionless, breathing quicker. The sword wife returned her attention to the unfinished task. I name him thrice, she said, speaking again the name of the murderer of her husband and children, before hammering home the final nail. An ancient spirit of vengeance stood before her, filling the doorway, and the sword wife staggered back, gasping involuntarily. The otherworldly being was clad in archaic armor, her flesh translucent and glowing with spectral unlight. Black mist coiled around her like a living shroud. With a squeal of tortured metal, the spectral figure drew forth the blackened spear protruding from her breastplate, the ancient weapon that had ended her life. She threw it to the ground before the swordwife. No words were spoken. There was no need. The swordwife knew what was being offered to her. Vengeance and knew its terrible cost, her soul. The spirit watched on, her face impassive and her eyes burning with an unrelenting cold fury, as the swordwife picked up the treacherous weapon. I pledge myself to vengeance, said the swordwife, her voice quivering. She reversed the spear, aiming the tip inward towards her heart. I pledge it with my blood. I pledge it with my soul. She paused. Her husband would have pleaded for her to turn away from this path. He would have begged her not to condemn her soul for theirs. 
A moment of doubt gnawed at her. The undying specter watched on. The swordwife's eyes narrowed as she thought of her husband lying dead, cut down by swords and axes. She thought again of her children, sprawled upon the ground, and her resolve hardened like a cold stone in her heart. Her grip tightened upon the spear. Help me, she implored, her decision made. Please, help me kill him. She rammed the spear into her chest, driving it in deep. The swordwife's eyes widened and she dropped to her knees. She tried to speak, but only blood bubbled from her lips. The ghostly apparition watched her die, her expression impassive. As the last of the lifeblood ran from her body, the shade of the swordwife climbed to her feet. She looked down at her insubstantial hands in wonder, then at her own corpse lying dead in a growing pool of blood upon the floor. The shade's expression hardened, and a ghostly sword appeared in her hand. An ethereal tether, little more than a wisp of light, linked the newly formed shade to the avenging spirit she had summoned. Through their bond, the swordwife saw her differently, glimpsing the noble warrior she had been in life, tall and proud, her armor gleaming. Her posture was confident, yet without arrogance, a born leader, a born soldier. This was a commander the swordwife would have willingly bled for. Behind the spirit's anger, she sensed her empathy, recognition of their shared pain of betrayal. Your cause is our cause, said Callista, the spear of vengeance. Her voice was grave, cold. We walk the path of vengeance as one now. The swordwife nodded. With that, the avenging spirit in the shade of the swordwife stepped into the darkness and were gone. As they weaken. So shall we grow stronger. Well, that is an interesting character because she's not like, she's undead, but she's not like evil, right? She's not like Thresh in a way. I mean, she's murdering people, but, um, right, it's people that some others think deserve to be killed, um, if, if that's possible. Um, people who have uh, betrayed others, um, committed atrocities on others, on families, um, like in this story. And, you know, she strikes a bargain, right? It's, you know, it's like Ursula in The Little Mermaid, right? Who was evil? She was the villain, right? Um, cause she was preying on innocent, but people, um, but here, right? It's helping those who were wronged um, get vengeance, which ne isn't necessarily, you know, the right thing to do. Um, and it's at the cost of their soul, right? They, they give that up to see somebody else suffer. So it is a, it's something a lot of people can empathize with, but it's not necessarily, you know, the right thing to do. And, it's, it, it still does seem though that she's not a bad and evil spirit, right? Um, she was betrayed by Viego and by Hecarim or Hecarim, however you want to say it. I said it like an even number of times, both ways in the in the biography um, by accident. But um, and you know now exists in the world that they've created. Um, with the destruction of the Blessed Isles and the harrowing and the ruination and um, 
is choosing to deal with the betrayers of the world, of those who have wronged others or betrayed the trust of others. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say it's an anti-hero even, but it's like lawful evil uh, in a way. Um, but it's it's an interesting character, right? I kind of went into it with the thought that this is uh, a pure evil uh, entity. Uh, I remember seeing the um, cinematic they put out um, when she came out. Um, I think it was when she came out. Um, now, granted, looking back, the guy who got killed in that was probably not a good person. Um, but it, it really made her seem like it was like, oh, this this chick means business and not good business, which for the people obviously getting spears hurled through them, it isn't ever going to be good business. But um, that really shaped, I guess, the image of it. And just obviously her appearance does not help. Um, and by no means would she be, you know, would people be like thinking of her as a hero? I don't think. Um, but yeah, she's definitely in that gray area, which um, there are other characters in the Shadow Isles that, you know, exist like that. Um, I think Vex is kind of one of those who we uh, discussed in our Yordle series, but um, Callista, it, one is a sick name. Um, I actually met a Callista uh, about a year and a half ago, like a real person named Callista. Um, no relation to the game, obviously. She was older than uh, she was older than eight years old. Um, but I was like, that uh, that's a you should be proud to have that name, you know. Uh, and they're like, why? I was like, well. It's this character who just hucks spears. No, I didn't say any of that, but um, I'm married now, so I don't I don't get to talk to other women, but um, that's a joke. Um, anyway, that will uh, wrap up Callista for this week's episode, and um, we will continue. We have Hecram left. We have Mordekaiser left. Um, trying to think the other ones we have left, but not too many of them. Oh, Elise. Um, so yeah, we still have some and we'll get to them. And, uh, so thank you for listening and I will see you all next week. Familiar suffering. We know this place.